Okay, sorry, I've got to still do this so they can get it on the podcast. So, Okay, so if you've got your Bibles, uh, hopefully you do, even if you're laying in bed, Philip Pugh, uh, put your cinnamon toast crunch to the side and uh, let's... Uh, Mitch, put First Timothy 6, 6, that godliness with contentment is great. All right, godliness contentment, uh, with contentment is great gain. That's what we need to be in a time like this, is just simply content with what God has given us. So uh, anyway, uh, let's uh, jump into your, uh, your Bibles to Romans chapter 4. And so we got into this last week, uh, and I told you guys that I wanted you to meditate on something, and so uh, hopefully the video was good enough uh, that we can get there, but I'm actually going to hold that conversation till the end of it, because I want to wrap up with that, um, because it's something good as we get into next week's uh, tasks, so I guess I could call it homework, because y'all can't leave home anyway, so uh, we'll call it homework just for a short amount of time until you can come back to class, but anyway... Uh, Hopefully you guys did do that, and hopefully you're keeping up with where we're at. But anyway, uh, if you have your Bibles, flip over to Romans chapter 4. We're going to be starting in verse uh, 18. But just as a way of quick review, you remember last week, uh, the book of Romans, we've been rolling through it, and actually we're we're making pretty good progress, uh, surprisingly. I don't know how, uh, but... Uh, we're we're on track if we can stay with it. So I'm going to finish chapter four today. Uh, if y'all quit asking so many questions, but uh, I'm going to finish chapter four today, um, and that's going to get us a quarter way through the book. Uh, so really, we're on track to get through this thing in a year. I don't really think it's going to happen, but uh, we're on pace to do it anyway. And uh, so uh, Romans, Paul had to uh, basically get everybody in the same boat, right? Sailing in the same direction, which is where. Uh, well, they were on the same boat to uh, headed straight to hell, right? And so it didn't matter if you were uh, Jew, Gentile, uh, heathen, lost, good sinner, bad sinner, no such thing, right? Everybody was in the same boat. And he did that all the way through uh, chapter uh, 3. And then uh, the Jews had some questions in chapter 3 about, well, what about us? Because we're really good Jews and we keep the law. And he had to go ahead and throw them in the same boat. And that kind of brought us to chapter 4 because it took all of that time for him to say, okay, now we can talk. <clears throat> now now, I'm not trying to <clears throat> talk to one group and you think I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to everybody. I'm talking to you, the religious. I'm talking to you, the unchurched. I'm talking to you who doesn't really know what uh, God has to say in my life. I'm talking to, well, I'm talking to you. And if you don't know what that means, I'm talking to you. Uh, well, I'm not talking to the next guy. I'm talking to you. And that's what Paul's saying. And really, what I have to say today out of the book of Romans, I'm talking to you. Um, and yes, I'm, that means you. All right? And so he gets to chapter 4, and he's like, okay, so I need an example. I need an illustration, right? Hey, Paul, uh, I like to say, is uh, I'm a lot like Paul. I'm not going to say Paul's a lot like me, but uh, I like to illustrate things. You have to be able to take it into something that you can use today, right now. What's wrong? You got a weird look on your face. It might just be my service is buffering. Oh, okay. Well, hopefully that's not the case. So if you guys are having problems with the video, let me know. Um, so anyway, hopefully uh, it's not. Maybe I should just talk really slow. Uh, I don't know if that'll work or not. But anyway, uh, hopefully that's not the case. If it is, uh, at the end of the day, it'll be on the podcast tomorrow. Um, so do listen to it because uh, this is good. But anyway, I'm talking to you as we get through this. So he needed an example. He needed an illustration. And so that's what we talked about last week. So without reteaching that, he's like, I've got the perfect one. I'll use Abraham. Right? And so he went through and he was like, hey, let's look at Abraham's faith and how Abraham's faith, even from the Old Testament, allowed them to uh, get through the things that they had to get through. Right? It allowed them to... What in the world... 
I've got this really awesome thing called Microsoft Teams on my computer, and it's really good for meetings, except for it takes over everything. It takes precedence, so if it comes on, everything else goes blank. Sorry. Uh, like squirrel went by, and I had to watch it for a second. Um, anyway, uh, he used Abraham, right? And because Abraham is, what do we call him? The father of faith. Well, there's a reason that we call him even our father of faith. And if you need to know what that means, go back and listen to last week. So anyway, that was the first 17 verses of Romans chapter 4. So I'm going to get into today, and we're going to pick up in verse 18. And so here's what I have for you today. Is there a problem? Okay. Paige is back there. She looks like a mad scientist trying to figure out what's going on with the phone. So uh, let me know if the video is not good enough. Um, Here's what, we're, here's what I have for you today. Here's your title. Because, you know, it has to be a what? It's a list, like always. Uh, uh, four steps of faith and a question for the believer, right? So there's really five points, but uh, I have four steps of faith and a question for the believer, right? And so let's just jump into this, so the first one. And so uh, let's read uh, verse 18 and 19. We're using Abraham as our example. We're, we're talking about how we are all justified through what? It's faith. It doesn't matter. Works are out the window. Go back and listen to last week. So it's all through faith. Romans chapter 4 and verse 18 says, Who against hope, talking about Abraham, right? Uh, who against hope believe, or believed in hope? How's that work? You against hope believe in hope. Well, we'll talk about that. Uh, that he might become the father of many nations, according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. Talking about Abraham having the, the promise of the covenant, and one of the terms in the promise was what? Uh, in the Abrahamic covenant, there's four uh, key uh, terms in the in the covenant. There's he promises him a land, uh, a name, a seed, and a blessing. Right, the seed would be uh, I'm going to multiply uh, your seed as the stars of heaven. Well, see, the problem was Abraham was not really all that young anymore, and he didn't have any kids. So he's like, God, I I believe you, but I don't see how it's going to work out. Verse 19, and being not weak in faith. He considered not his own body, now dead, when he was about 100 years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. So he's like, even if I'm old and you're going to do a miracle in me, God, my wife ain't no spring chicken either, right? And I didn't say that about my wife. That's what Abraham said, because guys, you don't say that about your wife, even if you're talking to God, right? So here's, here's the first step of faith uh, that, that you're going to see today is uh, Abraham and you need to be not weak in faith. Not weak in faith. <laughs> Excuse me. Abraham's biggest struggle going through this whole thing was the fact that God had promised him all of this, right? A land, a name, a seed, and a blessing. Uh, but as he looked around, he didn't have a son. He didn't have a daughter. He didn't have what we would call an heir. Um, H-E-I-R, not heir to breathe, you know, that the virus transmits through, but an heir to give this all to. And he's like, man, God, I, I believe you. I think, right? I believe you, but I don't have anybody to give it to you, right? So he's not weak in faith, but his biggest struggle was that God had promised all this to him, and he's like, I don't know how you're going to do it. Well, guess what? That's how faith works, is you believe that God's going to do something that you don't know how He's going to do. We all have an area of our faith that we're quote-unquote weak in. And you might be like, well, not me. No, I'm specifically talking to you, right? Um, for some people, it's personal insecurity, right? I just don't believe, I don't know how that God can do that with me, right? Or other people, it's a, it's a doctrine in the Bible that they just, my faith is weak in that area because I just don't know, uh, well, we'll get to that, right? For others, it's believing that a perfect God, because He is, could love such an imperfect person. Whatever it is, we need to get past the weakness in our faith. 
Right? What was Abraham's weakness? Well, I don't have time for you guys to answer because this delay thing is driving me crazy, but what was Abraham's weakness? Well, I already told you what it was. He needed an heir and he wasn't sure it could still happen. He's like, God said He's going to like multiply my seed as the stars of heaven. I look in the sky and there's a whole lot of stars and I don't even have one kid. How's that going to work? Right? He's going to multiply my seed as the sand of the, the, of the shore, right? And uh, there's a lot of sand grains and I don't even have one kid. Abraham's like, I don't know how this thing's going to work out. He wasn't sure it could still happen. Verse 19 says, He considered not his own body now dead. That's how he was not weak in faith. I don't know how it's going to work, but I believe God can make it happen. I can, he, he considered not his own body now dead. Now, if you didn't know, let me give you a quick backtrack of this story. Uh, he was 100 years old at this time. A hundred. Now, I know they lived a little longer in those days, but I don't think that meant that their bodies worked any different, right? Uh, he was a hundred years old. Sarah, his wife, was ninety, right? That's still not... Uh, I think nowadays, uh, if you're past thirty-five, they tell you your... Uh, um, what, what do they call that? Um, your... Uh, what, I can't remember the term for it. Huh? No, but if like you're having a baby past 35, they they term it as something. Uh, I can't think of it. Anyway, they make you feel like you're old, and you're like, I'm only 35. Oh, so that's how it's going to be, huh? Okay, well we're not having any more kids anyway. So uh, anyway, she's 90, so definitely she's past the point of what we would call uh, a late uh, age to have a, have a baby, right? She was 90. It says in Genesis that he laughed, right? God says, I'm going to have, I'm going to give you, what? Geriatric. <laughs> I don't think that's the word I was looking for. Sorry. Not geriatric. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Anyway. Yeah. You all get what I'm getting at. So it says in Genesis that he laughed, right? And later we read that even, even Sarah laughed, right? God's like, Hey, I'm going to give you a son. And she laughed. Right? I'm not sure. Now, hear what I say here. I'm not sure if it was a lack of faith on their part or if they just simply got a mental picture of what this thing would look like. He's 100, she's 90, right? Somebody gets where I'm going with that. Something that's not right, right? They're not weak in faith, but things, that doesn't work like that anymore, right? So, let's move past that. What's the difference between hope and faith? What is the difference between hope and faith? I know if you all were here, you would be as silent as you are in the comments right now, right? You, there is no... What's, what's, I'm not saying nothing, right? Uh, I'm not saying nothing. I didn't say anything. Um, so anyway, uh, what's the difference between hope and faith? Well, here, I'll give you. I'll give it to you. And I don't have time for you to write it down. You'll go back and watch it. Faith is walking by the Word of God instead of walking by sight. That's what faith is. It's walking by the Word of God instead of walking by sight. But hope is believing the Word of God instead of believing, believing the circumstances. Hope is believing the Word of God instead of believing the circumstances. You see, Abraham had the audible voice of God telling him what to do. But don't we have something even better? Right? I don't need the audible voice of God. I have something better. I have the Word of God. It's written down. I don't have to count on what I hear because uh, some of you guys understand I, I don't hear very good out of my left ear and I can hear nothing out of the right. Uh, and really, it's the same way either way. It's not like one's being better. I can't hear anything. So praise God, I can read it though. I know what the Word of God is. I have something better than what Abraham had. Because we have hope, we're able to walk by faith. Now, catch that. Because we have hope, we're able to walk by faith. And that allows us to not be weak in faith. You may say, well, what about my insecurities, right? I told you I got insecurities. Oh, here's the answer. Hope in the Word and walk by faith. 
But what about my Bible doctrine that I struggle with? Hope by the Word and walk by faith. But what about... You didn't pick up what I'm throwing down. You hope by the Word and you walk by faith. You have hope instead of the circumstances. And because of that, you're able to walk by faith. The only thing that's going to get us past this first step, being not weak in faith, is if you simply put your hope and faith in the Word of God and let it guide you. The only thing that's ever going to get you past step one is if you put your hope and faith in the Word of God and let it guide you. Yeah, not weak in faith. That was step one. Okay, so, uh, sorry. Uh, so the only way to get past this first step is not it, it, being weak in faith is to simply put your hope and faith in the Word of God and let it guide you. Moving on to verse 20. There's two of them in verse 20. So let me just read the, I'll read the whole verse. It says, uh, so uh, he, he was uh, considered not his own body now dead when he was about 100 years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving uh, the glory to God. So the first one out of uh, uh, verse 20, the second step, right, is you're not staggering in faith. Right? So the first one was you're not weak in faith. Here's the second one. You're not staggering in faith. Well, what does that mean? Well, I'm glad you asked because I'm going to tell you, right? Uh, this point is pretty simple, but it's always worth pointing out because there's always one in every crowd, even the past point crowd, who struggles with this point. There's always somebody who struggles. How is it that a person would stagger in faith? How do you stagger in faith? Right? Faith is pretty easy. Right? Hebrews 11.1, 1, right? Faith is pretty easy. Well, here's how you stagger in faith. It's pretty simple. It's called simple unbelief. Simple unbelief. Well, I believe what the Bible says. Really, do you? Because I don't really see what it lines up with all areas of your life. And I'm not talking to you. I'm just talking to the next you, next to you. So, you know, don't be offended. Uh, simple unbelief. This goes for all areas of your life. So what is faith exactly? What is faith? Well, man, come on. You guys got to listen because I gave you the definition in the last point. It's believing the Word of God instead of believing the circumstances. I believe this more than I believe what I see on the TV. Right? No, 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 no. Because faith is the same thing. Yes, yeah, so anyway. is believing the Word of God. You got me all messed up now. I can't. I want to make sure I'm right. So, uh, believing the Word of God instead of believing the circumstances, right? So, like I said before, in all areas of your life, right? Now, all, I don't know if you knew this, right? Even in the virtual teaching, all still means all. All still means every one of you, even though the tables are empty. All still means every one of you, even though you're like, well, he can't be talking to me because he can't see me watching. I'm still talking to you because you still fall in the, con or the category of all, right? All areas of your life, all people, we all struggle. That's the way that it is. All areas of your life. I'm not sure if my kids are ever going to obey. You know why? Because you don't believe that the Word of God is true. No, I don't know. I'm not sure I'll ever get past this struggle with sin that I've got going on in my life. You know why? Because you don't believe that the Word of God is true. That is why. Right? I'm not sure that this coronavirus is ever going to let me out of the house again. Man, that's really hitting home to somebody. Right? Because you don't believe that the Word of God is true. Right? That is why. We simply don't believe. We know we should. We know we need to. We know we ought to. But we don't. Right? I don't mean to be so black and white with it, but at the end of the day, the, the reason you stagger in faith is because you simply don't believe that God can take your 100-year-old body and bring a child from it. You simply don't believe that God... And you're like, I'm not 100 years old. What are you talking about? You simply don't believe that God can take your disobedient children and, and, and transform them by the Word of God. You simply don't believe that God can take the sin that's in your life that you struggle with, that you fumble with, that you just can't get right, and just believe that the Word of God can take it. 
you don't believe it. Because if you believed it, we wouldn't be talking about it. Right? And I don't know who I'm talking to, but I really don't know who I'm talking to because I don't know who all is watching this. Right? We don't believe it, right? We just don't believe the Word of God is true at times. You don't believe that God can take your 100-year-old body and bring a child from it. And until you start to believe it, then you're always going to have that half-drunk stagger, right? And some of you know what I'm talking about because some of you came from that lifestyle, right? We know what the the half-drunk stagger is. Well, that's like the half-believing the Bible stagger, right? You you look just... So that's that's a really good analogy. And some of you guys are going to track with me on this. Uh, Those of you who kind of believe this in some areas but kind of don't in some other areas, you stagger around and you're like, well, I'm going to be over here with this and I'm going to be over here with that. And you look like the the half-drunk guy uh, that's that's bouncing around and you... Everybody around him knows that guy is so far past gone and he thinks he's still good, right? That's the same way that a Christian is that's so bouncing back and forth between Bible doctrine, right? I'll take this, but I won't take that. And you've got yourself fooled, but everybody around you looks at you and is like, you're so far messed up, right? The last thing you need is another one, right? Hopefully that analogy sticks to somebody. Somebody's getting me on that, right? The key, my friend, I think we're still friends, is to simply understand... Now, I'm sorry, the key, my friend, is simple to understand, but it's hard to apply at times. But here it is either way. You simply have to believe the Word of God for what it says and believe it enough to live it out in your life. There's two parts to it. You simply believe this book for what it says. And then, because you believe it, you're able to believe it enough to live it out. That's the key. So it's like, that's easy, right? I've got the key. All i got to do is open the door. Well, that's not easy. I didn't say it was going to be easy. It's really hard sometimes. It's, it, 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 I struggle sometimes, right? I get it. But that's the key. You believe it enough to simply do it. That's what Abraham did. He's like, God, you, you say I'm going to have all these kids. How's that going to work out? Uh, I don't understand. Right? I don't, I don't understand. You simply believe it enough to allow Him to do it. You believe Him enough to allow Him to do it. Next one. Going on in verse 20. I'll read the verse again. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but he was strong in faith, giving the glory to God. Here's the third uh, step, right? So not only are you you're not weak in faith, and then you're not staggering in faith... Right? I want to make sure I got that right. You're not weak in faith. You're not staggering in faith. So then you go to the next in the next step, right? You're now strong in faith, right? Well, what's better than strong? Well, we'll get to that in a minute. But but now you're strong in faith. So hopefully by now you're realizing that these are truly like steps, right? And without having the first one, you can't have the next. And you might be like, well, I take steps two at a time. Well, that's how you trip and fall on your face. I'm not saying. I'm just saying that's what happens, right? So uh, you're realizing that without one step and the next step and the next step, that's how this works. And without first having the first one, you're not going to have the next one. So without the next thing you can learn from old Abe's life is how to be strong in faith. Right? How to be strong in faith. Not only am I not staggering anymore, right? I'm not weak and I'm not staggering, but now I'm strong in faith. It's one thing to not stagger in faith, but it's another uh, altogether to be strong. A new Christian cannot stagger in faith, but they're not yet strong. Just like when a baby learns to walk, they might not stagger anymore, but they're still strong. I'm sure by now, like Zona is riding a bike because it's been so long since I've seen her. Right? She used to come in here and watch me preach over here on the floor, and like now it's been so long since I've seen any of y'all that I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm sure she's not even just not walking; she's probably like riding a bike. 
I hope not, right? <laughs> but you get what I'm saying. It's it's one thing to to uh, watch a baby kind of wiggle when they walk, and then it's another thing when they start walking a little better. That still doesn't mean that they're strong. They're not staggering anymore, but they're still not strong. You can still push them over, right? I don't I don't recommend that, but you still could, right? This can happen, right? They're not strong. Let me give you an example, right? Because that's what I know. You guys need an example, right? You need, this is what you need. I, I got an example. And I'm guessing that maybe at least one of yous, and if you caught what I just said, I said one of yous, meaning more than one of you, right? That one of yous, I'm sure, can track with me. Most of you got children, right? I'm looking around the room, and so, yeah, you do, and you did, you still, yeah, and so you do. Yeah. So you all got children, right? Uh, Chris and Lauren, you're going to have children. That's just the way it works, right? Uh, and so... Uh, Follow with me. You got children, and, and some of you are spending a little more time with your children than normal, right? You understand with those circumstances. I'm spending a little more time with them. And I, I understand some of you are like, I always spent this much time with my kids. Well, okay, but now it's a little different because you can't just be like, go play with the neighbor kids, right? Uh, you, now you're uh, you, you're following along. I don't know what you're laughing at, but I probably don't want to know. Me? Uh, uh oh. What? What? Go play with the neighbor kids. No. Anyway, so. Uh, so most of you got children, and some of you are spending a little more time with your children than normal. Now, I know a lot of you do a lot of time with your kids anyway, but stay on track with me. You're spending a lot of time with your kids, and I'm just guessing that maybe, just maybe, this whole quarantine thing has got, uh, it's going on. It, it's got your kids, well, I don't know how to put this in a nice way. They're driving you absolutely bat nut crazy. Right? You're ready to pull your hair out. And I don't know who I'm talking to. I'm talking to probably a lot of you, but I don't know. Uh, but track with the, with the analogy, right? Track with the example. They're driving you crazy. They want to go outside. They want to play with the neighbor kids because they're also out of school, right? They want to be kids, right? They want to do what they're supposed to be able to do and they don't understand that why can't I touch things? Why can't I lick things like I normally do? I don't know because it's gross. I don't... Like, honestly, and so pause my example for just a second. I'll get back to it. This whole social dis social distancing thing, uh, I love it. Because I, like, I'm not saying that I don't love that people can't come over. I hate that. I love it when people come over. But like, I've got this personal bubble that I love when people don't get into. Right? I'm like, don't burst my bubble. And then, like, people are like, well, I just want to love you, brother. I just want to hug you. And I'm like, okay, you know, because that's what Christ would do. Okay. But so, like, now I've got, like, the law on my side. I'm like, well, you can't touch me. Stay six feet away. It's, it's, it's glorious. Like, so that part of it's glorious. I'm not, like, loving the fact that I can't. What? tracking. <laughs> so, like, I, I enjoy this personal bubble that I'm uh, allowed right now. Now, I don't like the, the, all the other things that come with it. So I'm just, like, tongue-in-cheek saying that. It's kind of funny. Okay, back to the analogy. So they want to be kids, right? So back to the point. It's, it's one thing to know from the Word of God how to train your kids. It's one thing to know from the Word of God how to train your kids to do what's right, even when it's hard. I know what the Word of God says. To do what's right, to train my kids even when it's hard. Okay, that's one thing to know that. That's not staggering in faith. To know what the Word of God says, to do it even when it's hard. That's not staggering in faith. But it's altogether another thing to consistently implement in their lives even when it's hard and you're tired and you're wore out. That's being strong in faith. It's one thing to know what the Word of God says. 
and to know that I ought to do this, even though my kids are driving me crazy, that I ought to do this, that's not staggering. But to do it anyway, even though you don't really want to, to discipline, to keep them on track, to train up your child in the way they should go, that's being strong in faith. Right, I hope that kind of hits home to somebody. And I'm not saying that you... I love your kids, right? Um, but that's the difference between not staggering in faith and, and being strong in faith. Is I get that I know what to do, but am I doing it? That's the difference. That's one thing to not stagger. I don't stagger. I know what the Word of God says. But to be strong is to do it, even when it's hard. To do it even when it's hard. Being strong in faith allows you to do what you absolutely know is right even when you don't really quote-unquote want to. I know this is right. I don't want to do it, but I'm going to do it anyway because that's what the Word of God says. Right? I know I shouldn't do this, but I, I really want to do it. Okay, well, the Word of God says not to, so I'm not going to. That's being strong in faith. Being strong in faith allows you to grow in your spiritual maturity past simply knowing what's right to doing what's right. Isn't that what we should desire anyway? Is to grow in Christ? Right? To be a little more in Christ? Well, this, this whole coronavirus thing has just got my spiritual uh, growth on hold. That's your own fault. The Word didn't change. Your Bible that's still sitting... Well, uh, you might have taken it out of the trunk of your car because you don't come to church anymore. And now it just kind of sits on the nightstand or something. I don't know. Uh, but the Word of God didn't change. You should grow as much, if not more, because now all of a sudden you got all this free time. And I saw a little meme or whatever they call them things on, on the Facebook, and uh, you know it said something along the lines of, you know, I was too busy at work, and I was too busy with my hobbies, and I was too busy with all these things. Well, guess what? God cleared all those out of your schedule. Do you got any time now? Right? Because if you're going to tell me now that you don't have time to read, man, that's on you. God's clearing some things out. Being strong in faith allows you to grow in your spiritual maturity past, the, past simply knowing what's right into doing what's right. And being strong in faith allows you to become the discipler instead of the disciple. And isn't that where we all really want to be? Right? Not the leader. That's not what I'm getting at. But a little more like Jesus every day. Right? Jesus was the teacher. Jesus was imparting wisdom. He wasn't always just taking it. It's okay. There's a time in everybody's life when it's time to take in the Word, to learn, to be that person. But guess what? There becomes a time when you become strong in faith and now you're the one who is looked on. Right? Dads, it's you, husbands, it's your job to lead your family. You're looked on. Are you doing it? Are you strong in faith? Are you still back there not weak in faith? Right? You staggering in faith. Got that half-drunk stagger going on. I don't know. we got to be strong in faith. A little more like Jesus every day. Verse 21. And being fully persuaded. Still talking about Abraham. He's our example here. And when I get to the end, I'll go back and give you uh, chapter references of how he was... Uh, Oh my gosh, this Microsoft Teams thing is driving me crazy. Um, okay, so uh, I'll go and give you chapter references when I get to the end. But anyway, uh, so it says in verse 21, And being fully persuaded that... Uh, I'm sorry, fully persuaded that what he had promised, meaning God, uh, he was also able to perform. He was able also to perform. Man, my dyslexia has taken over. And therefore it was imputed unto him for righteousness. Right? It was imputed unto him for righteousness. That's where I'm going. Okay. So here's your, your last step before we get to the question, right? Here's your last step. You're, you're, not just, you're not just weak and not weak in faith. You're not, not staggering in faith. And so now you're not even just strong in faith. But here's the last one. This is where we all need a desire to be fully persuaded in faith. 
are fully persuaded in faith. What does that mean? The last step in your faith is being fully persuaded. Being fully persuaded is where we should all desire to be in our faith to Christ. But what does that mean? That's where you need to be. That's what that means. I still don't understand. Okay, that's fine. Being fully persuaded is when you move even past always doing the right thing after you sort it out in your mind, right? Because it's one thing to know, okay, this is what I need to do. Okay, i got to sort it all. Okay, I'm going to do the right thing. That's being strong in faith, right? I know I need to discipline my kids. I know I need to uh, put that sin away. I, need, I know I need to do the things. And you sort it out. It takes a second. You sort it out and you do the right thing, right? That's strong in faith. That's awesome. Being fully persuaded is when you move even past just doing the right thing after you sort it out in your mind to always doing the right thing because it's second nature. It's now just what you do. It's who you are. You don't have to decide between... Sin, not sin. Uh, okay, well, it's just second nature to not sin. Right? I don't have to decide anymore to rebuke, uh, or I'm not, uh, to argue, or, or to not. It's just simply easier to not. Right? You don't have to make it, a, it's not even a decision anymore, it's second nature. That's what being fully persuaded is. Being fully persuaded is putting Isaiah 6 8. What does that say? Here am I, send me. He says, man, here, just send me. Use me, God. It's putting Isaiah 6-8 to the forefront of your life. Being fully persuaded is committing your, your life to being like Joshua and Caleb and not like the other ten spies. That's another reference you'll have to go back and get, right? The, that story right there, the Joshua and Caleb story, there was a vision conference like the one we're not having this year. Uh, several years ago, I remember where I was sitting and... Um, and I, I, I remember who was preaching it, right? Doug Howie was here, and he was preaching uh, up a storm, man. And it was it was a weeknight, you know, one of the nights that most people don't come to. He was teaching on Joshua, Caleb, Joshua and Caleb and the other ten spies. And I don't re- I don't remember what exactly he was saying, but I remember at that time telling God, breaking down, telling God that it doesn't matter what it is you want me to do, God. I don't care if it's to go halfway around the world. I don't care if it is to to whatever it is, God. I you can have it. I'm done. Right, and so some people would call that giving their life to missions. Some people would call that, um, you know, I, obviously I was already saved, you know, I was already on the fast track, right? And but it was at that point that it was like there was nothing, there was nothing I was going to hold back, right? And so it didn't matter, whatever that means. And so I, I'm still at that point. I thought at one point God was going to move us uh, to London. I thought at one point that, yeah, well, it doesn't matter all the things that I thought. God has grown me and He's still continually growing me. And God may keep me here for the rest of my life. Praise God if He does. Because I'm just going to continue to do this. I'm going to preach the Word. I'm going to make disciples. Whether I'm here or halfway around the world. It doesn't matter. Because that's what we're supposed to be doing. Quarantined or not, I'm going to preach the Word and I'm going to make disciples. Right? That's what we're going to do. Okay, back to my point because I stopped right in the middle of the sentence, right? Being fully persuaded is putting Isaiah 6 8 to the forefront of your life. Being fully persuaded is committing your life to be like Joshua and Caleb, not like the other ten spies. Being fully persuaded is laying down on the altar like Isaac did without fighting back because he was big enough to fight back if you didn't know that. Go study it out, right? But you lay down your life on the altar like Isaiah did. And now all of a sudden, Romans 12.1 is like your life battle cry. Right? I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. That's what Isaac did later on in Genesis. Abraham's like, hey, we're going to go up to the altar. He's like, hey, Dad, I see you. We got wood. Well, we got fire. Uh, we got all the stuff for an offering, but we ain't got no... Oh, well, there's no lamb. 
And I don't think that you're that old that you didn't just forget, right? You didn't. You you don't have. Uh, uh, I don't even know what I'm. It's not Alzheimer's. It's uh, some timers, right? I know you don't have just some timers, God or Abraham, Dad Abraham. Like I, I think there's something going on here. When you get to a point where you're like, God, you can have all of my life, and Romans 12:1 is just like, man, you can just take it, just take all my life, because that's the least I can do for you. Now all of a sudden you're like Isaac, just laying down, saying, "Tie me up, Dad." Right? Abraham believed, if you read in Hebrews, he, he believed that even if I would have killed my son, that God was enough to bring him back from the dead. And that's some kind of faith. That's being fully persuaded, right? Okay, moving on. Being fully persuaded in faith is being all in all the time with this Christianity thing. With nothing life can throw it your way that's going to sway you. Coronavirus included. That's what being fully persuaded is. There's nothing that's going to sway my faith, right? Come to think of it, and, and you know, this just kind of came to me as I was typing. Um, come to think of it, being fully persuaded is a lot like what being past the point, right? We call ourselves past point of no return for Christ is like. That's what being fully persuaded. We say that past point, that's where the name of the, the class comes from. We are past the point of no return for Christ. I'm past the point where... Yeah, maybe one of these days I'll just throw this Christianity thing away and I'm just going to... That's what being fully persuaded is. I'm past the point. I couldn't go back if I wanted to because it's like, I don't even know... what That's just... Ugh. I don't want that. Right? I'm past that point. So now the only direction I can go is this way. That's what fully persuaded is. Come to think of it. Here's another definition of what faith looks like when you get to this point. When you get to this point. Faith is being persuaded of God's promise so much that it causes you to bring in God's performance. Let me say that again. Faith is being persuaded of God's promise so much that it causes you to bring in God's performance. I believe what God said so much that I'm just going to allow Him to do it. Bring it on, God. Right? I believe that you're going to get rid of this thing. I believe that we're going to be back in this room meeting again. So bring it on, God. I believe it so much that I'm not even going to try to get in the way of it. I'm just going to step back and watch. I'm just going to allow your performance to have it. You see, my friend, at some point in your spiritual walk, you have to stop seeing the impossible with yourself and your situations and start seeing the incredible that God does every day. And you turn on the news right now and all we see is this is bad and that's worse and oh my gosh, don't look over there. Right? At some point, my friend, you have to stop seeing what's impossible with you. I'm a hundred years old, God. I can't have no kids. Right? Uh, I, I'm, you just fill in the blank, right? Whatever it is that's impossible with you and your circumstances, it just can't be done. And start seeing the incredible that God does every day. Every single day. A man or a woman who's fully persuaded does not spend all day second guessing his or her decision because they already know what the Bible says. So they go with it. You don't have to be like, man, did I make the right decision with that? I already know. That's what the Word of God says, so I'm going with it. I know what you're thinking, though, because I've been there and it's easy to think this way. You're all thinking, I do believe what the Bible says about this or about that, but are you completely sure, Jason, that it has all the answers to my 2020 life, right? To my coronavirus era life, right? To my real life problems. I know what you're thinking. The Bible says a lot of good things, but does it have anything to say about this? Here's your answer to that, friend. Your problem is not that you're not believing. Your problem is not that you don't believe. You believe God. 
You believe in God. You believe. You, see, your problem is not you're not believing. Your problem is not that you're not believing. Your problem is that you're not believing what God said. Let me say that again. The problem is not that you're not believing. You're just not believing what God said. You don't believe what God said. The issue is always who made the promise, not what the promise is. It was not a logically sound or biologically sound promise given to Abraham. 100 years old, kid, uh, I don't think that's even possible, right? It was a crazy promise until you looked at who promised it. Looking at who promised it is called faith, and faith is what God rewards. The perfect ingredient in our faith is not how much try-hard we've got. right? That's not the perfect ingredient in your faith. But instead, who we have our faith in. That's the ingredient that makes it good. Your faith will never be made perfect because you tried harder to believe. But instead, when you realize it's all God and none of you, that's what makes it faith. Let me say it another way to help you understand, right? Because you're not, you're not tracking with me, I can tell. The, the perfection of the object of our faith, meaning God, the perfection of God, the perfection of the object of our faith makes up for any imperfection in the believer. The perfection of God makes up for any imperfection in you. So faith is still good. It's still good. You can now see what I meant with the way that it builds on itself. You're never going to be fully persuaded if you were not weak in faith if you were not not weak in faith first. You're never going to be strong if you were not not staggering first. You cannot skip levels. There is no fast track to sanctification. Man, if there was, I wish, but there's not. That's why there's steps. So you can see where you're at and know where to step without tripping and falling back to the bottom. Right? That's why there's steps. So moving on, verse 23 to 25. I can't like just like last week. I can go over because it doesn't take y'all that long to walk from here to the sanctuary. So as long as we're done. So anyway, moving on. Verse twenty-three. Now it was not written for his sake alone, talking about Abraham, that it was imputed unto him, but for us also, to whom it shall be imputed, if we believe on him that was raised up in Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. What does that mean? I'll tell you what that means. It means this story, this chapter, uh, everything in Genesis wasn't written about Abraham for Abraham's edification. It wasn't like, yeah, I did a good job. Write a story about me, God. That's not how that worked. Uh, it wasn't written that it was imputed unto him for righteousness because he did a good job. It was written so that we can go back and read it and learn from it. That's what that means. That's what Paul's trying to say. When it says in verse 23, now it was not written for his sake alone, that it was imputed. It wasn't. Abraham didn't need... Uh, a God to pat him on the back and be like, hey, good job. That's not what he needed. Verse 24, but for us also, to whom it shall be imputed. Oh, meaning that that righteousness can be imputed to us also if we believe on him that was raised up from Jesus, uh, raised up Jesus, uh, our Lord from the dead, right? It was delivered for offenses. So here's, here's the fifth point. Here's the question for the believer. I gave you four steps of faith and a question for the believer. Where's my faith? And I'm not talking about me. I know where my faith is. Where's my faith? Here's your question as we wrap up. Where is your faith? Abraham's story is not your story. But the cool thing is, you can have the same ending. So how can you have child at 100 type of faith, right? How do you have that kind of faith? Because that's crazy. And the results that come with it. Well, let me tell you. By simply believing what God said enough to believe... But he said he'll do it. By simply believing what God said enough to believe that he's going to do it. Right? 
I believe what the Word of God says enough to believe He's going to do it. I believe that the Word of God says X, whatever it is, enough that He's going to go ahead and do it. Right? That's why I believe. That's why I have faith. Because the Word of God says it, and I believe that that's going to make it happen. That's why. That's why this whole coronavirus thing doesn't scare me. Uh, is, it, is it bad? Uh, yeah, it absolutely is. Right? What's the worst that can happen? It kills me? Um, okay. Like, I'm not looking to die, but I mean, it doesn't really scare me. Right? I've got something far better. Right? The, the, I have peace. I believe what the Word of God says enough to just simply allow it to happen. It doesn't mean that I'm out looking for it. Right? But, it, but it, I'm not scared of it. Do you believe? Now, you ought to. Do you believe that God has a plan for your life? Then believe it enough to do it. Believe it enough to do it. In the Old Testament, they believed God enough at His Word through faith, right? They believed God enough at His Word. They heard the audible voice of God. Sometimes they even talked to Him, right? Different characters. I mean, so uh, they believed God enough at His Word through faith, so by the works of their faith, through faith. Remember, go back to the end of chapter 3, right? They did it through faith. We do it by faith, right? So get that back. If you need to go back a couple weeks and listen to the recording, you can. But anyway, uh, in the Old Testament, they believed God enough at His Word through faith, and it got them the same result that we have today, simply believing in faith. You see, God had a plan from the beginning, and it was always Jesus. God had a plan from the beginning, and it was always Jesus. Now let me explain that for a minute, because this is kind of getting a little bit into that deep theological think tank, right? We're getting into the gray matter a little bit, um, as Tom Fort used to say. I told you guys last week to meditate on uh, just kind of this question of uh, Jesus Christ saves us, right? We know He came, He died on the cross for our sins, buried, He rose again, that's the gospel, correct? We know that. Uh, we should know that. If you don't know that, text me and we can work that thing out, okay? Um, but anyway, message me on the on the Facebook or whatever it is, however you just heard that. But anyway, uh, we know that. But what about the Old Testament, guys? And I ask you, this is what I wanted you to meditate on, because and hopefully you guys did this. Did Christ Himself have anything to do with the salvation of the Old Testament saints, because Christ hadn't come yet. Right? And so uh, the answer, in short terms, because I am a little over time, which that's okay because we don't have anywhere we got to go. Uh, the answer in the short term is yes. Well, how does that work then, Jason? Because hopefully this is what you were noodling on, meditating on this week. How does that work? Because Christ hadn't actually come yet. So how does that work? Let me explain to you how that worked. With God, because He's God, there is no expanse of time. It said in the beginning, meaning that there was time before the beginning and He was there. And we also know that eternity future, there is no time on it. It's just eternity. This is just a small expanse of time that we live in. Time is something we created. Okay? Which is good because it allows me to be late for everything. Right? So it's, it's fine. <laughs> but time is something we created. God knew, because God knows, even in the Old Testament when these guys believed through the works of their faith, right? By faith, through their works. We talked about that last week. If you need to go back and listen to that, you can. They believed it enough to do it. Because if they didn't believe it enough, they wouldn't have done it. Right? That's like me saying, hey, do you believe it's going to rain today? No, the sky's clear. Okay, well, then don't take an umbrella, but I'm telling you it's going to rain today. Okay, well, later on when it rains and you get wet, that's your fault. Right? They believed enough through faith to do what God said to do. Some of them. Right? That's how the Old Testament saints got saved. 
Okay? How does Christ fit into that? God knew from the beginning of ever this was the plan. God allowed us to have part in it. He gives us free will. We get to decide, do we want to get saved? Do we not want to get saved? We, we get all those decisions. God doesn't have those things figured out for us. But He already knows what your decision is going to be. Okay? So what that means is, yeah, when Christ died on the cross, He not only died for my sin and for everybody's sin that was going to live from that moment on, that was alive at that point, moving forward, but the blood of Christ covered the sins of those past as well. I hope that makes sense. God had a plan from the beginning. That's why the Old Testament saints, where did they go when they died? The Old Testament saints. What? You, oh, I thought you were going to say something. You can, that's fine. Abraham's bosom, right? They went, to Abra- they, were, they went to a holding tank, right? Until when? Until Christ died. And the blood of Christ was able to cover their sin, in which case what happens then? They resurrect with Christ. Right? We know that. We read that. So yes, the, the Christ had everything to do with their salvation as well. We also know that it was a little different for them. They had to have the works of their faith to allow them to get to Abraham's bosom. We just simply believe in faith. But guess what? At the end of the day, it was never by works. It was all by faith. What are you laughing at? No, 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 not purgatory. I, I had that thought when I said that. That is a lot of where the Catholics get that teaching, though. But no, today we know we're sealed from the second we get saved. There's no such thing as purgatory. Right? So I did, I, I did want to take a minute to explain that. That's what I wanted you guys to think on. Because Christ, He covered it all. Past, present, future. Right? And so that's what I'm talking about. So, yeah... Uh, he saved him. Um, so let's let us know. So here's the question that I'm going to leave with you today. Here's your question. Where's my faith? Where's my faith? In the Old Testament, they didn't even know of the promise of quote unquote Christ, and he still saved him. And now today, you have the promise, sure as it's written in your Bible, and you're still not so sure. Where's my faith? You've got it written for you, and you're still like, are you sure? Yeah, where's your faith? I don't know. We all find ourselves somewhere in one of these four steps. The question for you is, where's my faith? Where's it at? Okay, that's what I got, right? So, real quick, here's your references. Abraham was not weak in faith in Genesis 12. If you wanted to, you just so you have this, right? Abraham received a call to separate, to move, to come out to a foreign land at 75 years of age in Genesis 12, and he was not weak to respond. He was not staggering at faith in Genesis 13. He received a promise of a physical seed and to call uh, and a call to walk in a physical land in Genesis 13, and did not stagger at believing it. He was strong in faith in Genesis 17 when he received a call to walk before God in perfection and a new name change with the promise of rulership and a sign of the covenant in Genesis 17, and he was strong to possess it. And he was also fully persuaded. In Genesis 22, he received a call to take his promised son and sacrifice him on a mountain in Genesis 22. And he was fully persuaded that God could raise him up for the dead. If you need to, go back and just watch the end of the video so you can get those. Okay, so here's this week's task slash homework. Since you're home, I'll call it homework if you want to do them. So we just wrapped up Genesis or Romans chapter 4. So here we go. Here's your, here's your tasks. Meredith, get your pen ready. Here we go. Uh, Read Romans 5, because we made it to chapter 5, baby. Romans 5, five times. 
You already knew I was going to say that. Read the book of Romans as a whole one time. Get in the Word this week, guys. Get in the Word. Okay, so you're like, okay, give me something new, Jason. Okay, here we go. Write out Romans 4 if you haven't. Most of you probably have already, but if you haven't, get that done. Write out Romans chapter 4, word for word. Go back to chapter 4, because I don't think with the craziness of the world right now. Um, go back to chapter 4. Catch up with your writing. Go back to chapter 4 and find a key verse, and we'll talk about it next week. Because every other chapter, 1, 2, and 3, we, we talked about the key verse. Uh, and so I want to go back and talk about the key verse, chapter 4. But I think I told you to look for it, but we haven't had the time to talk about it. So um, go back and make sure you have one that you think the key verse of chapter 4 is, uh, and, and write it down. And we'll talk about why you think it is what it is. Okay. Another one, you got free time. you got all kinds of time, so stop and saying, wow, it's a lot. Another one, start looking for a key verse in chapter 5. Make sure you got chapter 4 done, but you can start looking in chapter 5. we got a few weeks to get through 5, so you got time. right? So start looking for one as you're reading it five times this week. And then the last thing, start memorizing Romans 5.8. Start working on that. I don't need it by next week, but that doesn't mean you can't do it this week. Start memorizing Romans 5.8. And... I put this in parentheses because I know some of you guys are like, okay, so that's the key verse then. No. Don't just assume that this is the key verse of chapter 5. But I want you to memorize it. It's the second step of the Romans road. right? And so start memorizing Romans 5.8. So, read Romans 5 five times. Read Romans 1 one time. or I'm sorry, read, read the book of Romans one time. Write out Romans 4 if you have it. Go back to chapter 4 and find a key verse. We'll talk about it next week. Start looking for a key verse in chapter 5. And start memorizing Romans 5.8. That's what I've got. Any comments that I need to know about before I pray so you guys can get swapped over to hear Brian or get into the praise. So one thing I want to say really quick, uh, it, I really hope you guys are like singing during praise. Uh, it's no different. right? If, if the reason you sing in the sanctuary is because there's people around, you're doing it for the wrong reason anyway. So hopefully the reason that you sing is to sing to God. So hopefully you're singing at home. Right? Seriously, um, there's something to that. So, uh, was there any comments that I need to uh, address quickly? Or? I don't think so. I just want to say, uh, we do love you guys. We miss you. This makes me miss you all even more. But um, all of your comments and input in your scripture references is really awesome. So, keep it up. Keep studying. Right. Keep complaining. Reach out to each other, guys. We are uh, a family. I really do believe that. And so, uh, take care of family. Right? Uh, love on each other um, from six feet away. Um, Respect my bubble um, and just uh, love God and love people. Uh, so let's pray, guys. Father God, I love you. Thank you for today, Lord. I thank you for this uh, passage, Lord. And it really just uh, allows us to evaluate where we're at with our faith. And so, God, I do pray that you would uh, allow us to continue to grow in our faith through you, through this time that we live in. And, uh, Lord, I pray for the things that um, you have going on in your body. There's people that are sick and hurting. There's people that are scared to leave their home because, you know, they have compromised immune systems. And, God, I do pray that we could um, just help them out any way we can, uh, even if that's just lifting them up in prayer. I pray for the pastors around the world that are trying to figure out how to do church. And, uh, Lord, I pray that this time uh, builds the church more than it hurts it. And so, uh, God, we do love you. I pray that you just send us out this week as lights in a dark world, that you would just uh, use us this week to, to preach your word. And, uh, Lord, just bless the main service, um, and that you would just get the honor and the glory for it. In Christ's name, amen. All right, see you guys. Uh, see you when I see you. Done?